Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Live from Philadelphia, it's story time. Hey, it's Michael Kingswood here, back at you again. And it's been a busy week and a half. Uh, I spent the last week or so in Vegas, not just playing poker, though I did some of that. Um... At a writing business workshop uh, with the same crew that I had been going to workshops with in Oregon. They uh, relocated to Vegas and I was like, well, geez, of course I'm going to go to workshops down there because easier for me to get to. And hey, man, it's Vegas. Why would I miss out on that at all? So anyway, uh, as opposed to some of the other workshops I've gone to, it's been a whole lot of discussing of the business side of things and how not to screw yourself, how to maximize your return, maximize uh, what you're doing, minimize taxes, all kinds of good stuff, and how to negotiate deals, especially with places that are full of chicanery like Hollywood and New York publishers and things like that. And uh, it was a good uh, good week and a half. But of course, as you figured out from the date when this is coming out, it was kind of kept me busy a whole lot. And once again, I'm late. This will... Uh, yeah, anyway, I'm getting this done now. It's uh, Wednesday evening, and uh, promise, starting next week, we'll get back to the normal schedule of getting things out on Monday. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, so that's all I got. We'll just continue right on to the story then, right? This is uh, the continuation, and I think it's going to be the last part of the Necromancer's Lair. When last we left our hero... Gareth and his trusty manservant Hatherly. Uh, Hatherly had stitched up Gareth's uh, wounds pretty well. Even still, his leg was hurting him something fierce. They found a couple of secret, uh, a secret door leading up to a staircase circling the tower. Got up to a uh, door uh, that is just a normal door, but uh, Hatherly kind of tricked uh, Gareth out, made it th- and think there was a trap that shocked him or something offhand and kind of threw him for loop when he found out he was just joking. But anyway, uh, then we ended when they pulled the door open and stepped inside. Let's see what happens next. Again, I apologize because I'm the one who's reading this. Not a professional voice actor, but hey, I'm the author, so that counts for something, right? I will talk more on the flip side after it's done. The Necromancer's Lair, by me, read by me, part four. The door swung open immediately, revealing a plush office. Plush was probably not the right word to describe the room beyond the door, but it was the only one that sprung to Gareth's mind. The room was circular, about the same size as the cell room on the level below, and was probably located directly above it. It was well lit by a number of gilded stand lamps, 
though the lamps were not burning any sort of visible fuel, leaving the question of what was producing the light unanswered. The floor was stone, but covered in thick red rugs that were lined in thread of gold tassels. A trio of full bookshelves were spaced equidistantly around the room, and there was another wooden iron door directly across the room from where they came in. In the center, facing the open door, was the long desk that was constructed out of dark reddish wood and polished until it gleamed. A quill and ink lay to one side opposite a stack of papers, but aside from that, the desk was clear. A pair of chairs, simple but of obviously high quality and padded, were arranged before the desk to receive visitors. The necromancer sat at the desk. He was garbed as before and appeared completely at ease as he regarded Gareth and Hatherley over teepled fingers. Gareth stood rooted to the spot for a moment in surprise. Of all the ways he thought to meet the necromancer again, this was not one of them. The moment stretched. Then the necromancer broke the silence by slowly clapping his hands together. Well done, gentlemen. I am impressed, he gestured toward the empty chairs. Will you sit? I'm certain your leg must be panning you by now. Gareth, taken aback, remained silent as he hobbled into the room. After all that had happened, this was all the necromancer had to say? It was amazing, and even more amazing, he looked as though he was generally concerned about Gareth's comfort. Gareth made a mental note to use this man as a comparison for any actors he ever watched perform in the future, because he was good. I prefer to stand, he said in reply. The necromancer shrugged, as you wish. May I offer you and your man some wine to take the eggs off? Thank you, no, Gareth spoke quickly, seeing Hatherley licking his lips with poorly suppressed eagerness. He had seen the former sage in a wine bottle enough to recognize that weakness and nip it in the bud quickly. Again, the necromancer shrugged. He took a moment to pull open one of the drawers in his desk and remove a wine bottle and a simple but obviously well-made goblet. He poured the wine, and the faintest hint of its aroma wafted across to Gareth's nose. Oh my, to smell that good from that far away, it must have been a heavenly vintage. His thirst, growing all the more intense by the second, especially now that he could see drinkable fluid so close by, screened at him to just have a drink. What could it hurt? It took a force of will to not renege on his refusal, but he managed. Somehow. The necromancer smelled the wine's nose with closed eyes and a serene smile on his lips, then lifted the goblet to his lips and sipped. Enjoyment seemed to flow through him. When he opened his eyes, they twinkled with an inner light that did not have before. I fear we've gotten off on the wrong foot, the necromancer said. Gareth snorted, says the man who locked us in a cage and then ordered my friend's corpse to kill us. Can't see how that could have gone right. The necromancer raised one eyebrow as he fixed Gareth with a contemptuous gaze. You broke into my house with the intent to kill me. How would you respond to that, hmm? His words sunk in and Gareth had to admit he had a valid point. Still, it's not like the necromancer was some peace-loving fellow who just sat around minding his own business all day. He was, well, a necromancer. Those sorts of people were just a menace. He was clearly waiting for Gareth to respond. Gareth obliged him with a noncommittal shrug, but said nothing. There was not much to say, and besides, his leg was beginning to ache. Bad. Gareth was half afraid if he spoke too much, his discomfort would show through. And though the necromancer knew he was probably in some measure of discomfort, it would not do for Gareth to give him a more accurate estimate of his condition. After a short moment of silence, 
The Necromancer, too, shrugged. No matter, I suppose. He took another sip from his goblet. What do you hope to accomplish here? Gareth was taken aback. This was not going at all the way he had envisioned. Attacking monsters, parrying blows, taking down foes, those were things he could deal with and expected on a job like this. Reasoned discourse? Uh, that was another matter altogether. Just looking to collect a bounty, he said, in as straightforward a tone as he could manage. The necromancer smirked. It's all about the money, isn't it? Sipping his wine again, he looked more amused than anything else. So you have no interest in rooting out my evil, his whole voice dripped in sarcasm as he said that, or of righting whatever wrongs I have committed? Well, there is that too, now that you get to it. The necromancer was silent for a moment, then he burst out laughing. It sounded genuine and was disturbingly human, not at all the maniacal laugh one would expect from the depraved and the evil. Ah, oh, my friend, he said after his laughter subsided, you are droll. Which is something I can very much appreciate, I assure you. Gareth did not respond. Beside him, Hatherley shifted on his feet, his expression one of distaste. The necromancer noted this, and the amusement faded from his features. Your man does not approve of me, but then clearly he is not as practical as you. Gareth could almost hear Hatherley's teeth grinding, and for a moment he thought he would have to restrain the former sage from doing something rash. But in the end, Hatherley restrained himself, even schooling his expression to one of stoic readiness. Though, knowing him as he did, Gareth could tell he was more than a little peeved. What would you say if I were to tell you I understood your friend's disapproval? And your lord's as well. I bow to no lord. The necromancer snorted. Tell yourself that if you wish, but we both know the truth. He set the goblet down on his desk and leaned forward. He clasped his hands together and regarded Gareth with an earnest expression. If I were in their shoes, or yours for that matter, I expect I would disapprove of me as well. His eyes narrowed, his stare becoming severe, piercing. But they do not know the facts. If they did, they would sing my praises, not set trifling bounties on my head. Gareth snorted again. Five hundred crowns was far from trifling. That much money, he could buy himself some property, settle down, give up the life of a wandering sellsword, sell axe, whatever. Not that he would. He knew himself well enough to admit that he enjoyed the work, most times. But still, it would be possible. You don't believe me? Gareth blinked in confusion. It took a second to realize the necromancer misunderstood his snort. Though, truth be told, now that he considered it, he truly did not believe the various priests and lords let alone the rest of the people out there would change their views on necromancy any time soon. Can't say I do, he said, honestly. What if I told you that all this... The necromancer waved his hand, including the entire room, the entire tower, at his statement. Resisted for one purpose only. His eyes flashed with something. Passion? Reverence? Insanity? I believe I am close to discovering a way to defeat death. Beg pardon? Death is the price all men pay, my friend, but does it have to be? What if there were a way to eliminate death completely? The necromancer's pace of speech increased, his tone becoming more impassioned, excited. How much suffering, how many crimes have their root in the fear of death? How much better could humanity be if that weight were lifted from its shoulders? He grinned. It was an unnatural-looking smile. 
the upward curving of his lips revealing his gleaming white teeth and making him look almost like a carnival freak. I am almost there. I only need a short time more and I will have it, the answer to every man's desire. Gareth had to work to suppress a shudder. The man was insane. He had to be. Right off the top of his head, Gareth could think of half a dozen terrible consequences of a discovery like that, even if it was possible, which he seriously doubted. So what, you want me to go back and tell Lord Hadley to just leave you alone? I don't think you'll buy that. The necromancer's smile faded, becoming instead a frown of annoyance. I have no faith in his ability to reason, though you could assist me in another way. And here it was. Gareth flexed his fingers on the grip of his axe, willing his muscles to relax into readiness. And how is that, exactly? You are clearly very capable. None have made it as far into my realm as you, or defeated as many of my servants. I could use a man like you at my side, watching my back, managing my forces. He was joking, right? Gareth opened his mouth to retort, but the necromancer beat him to it. Unfortunately, said the necromancer with a malicious grin that was, if possible, even worse than his earlier one. You are of no use to me alive. He made a little flick of his left hand and Gareth heard a sharp click from behind him. He turned to see that the doorway he had entered through had changed. Before it opened onto a landing, now it led into a large room that was empty except for a number of columns running down its length and a whole horde of animated corpses. Gareth should not have been surprised. What else could he expect from such a man as the necromancer? All the same, he could not deny that the man's genteel demeanor had lulled him into lowering his guard. So when the first pair of corpses stormed through the door and reached toward him in Hatherley, Gareth stood rooted to the spot in shock. Goodbye, my friends, the necromancer said from behind. If it comforts you at all... I'm very confident your passing will help me make great progress toward the goal. Did he really expect Gareth to find that notion appealing? Who knows? You may end up being the key to the entire experiment. Another click from behind. Gareth looked back quickly in time to see the latch on the door on the other side of the room lowering into place. The necromancer was gone. Then the corpse was on him. Dead fingers clawed through the air toward his face. Reflexes honed through years of training saved him on the first pass as he turned his body away, placing his right shoulder and the shield strapped to his arm closest to his attacker. The claws struck the shield and scraped harmlessly down it, though the sound they caused as they did so made his hair stand on end. There was no time for subtlety. He lunged forward, ignoring the screams of protest from his injured calf, and brought his axe straight down atop the corpse's head. It split open like a melon, the corpse instantly stopped falling to the floor at Gareth's feet in a heap and spilling gray matter. It was surprisingly fluid and rank. The poor fellow must not have died the first time all that long ago. All over the floor. Beside him, Hatherley was hard-pressed. His wounds were not as bad as Gareth's had been, but he did not have the advantage of Gareth's years of training. What he knew of the sword and combat is what Gareth and his various acquaintances had taught him. This corpse was more nimble than the last couple Hatherley had faced, easily dodging a repost from the slender man and responding with a bulrush attack that knocked him to the floor. Hatherley's expression, when Gareth's axe took the corpse's head from its shoulders, was a classic blend of relief and revulsion. It's not all wonder Gareth would not have enjoyed being splattered with corpse fluids either. Gareth helped Hatherley to his feet as best he could, but was drawn up short by the renewed pain in his leg. 
He glanced down and saw that his pants bore fresh bloodstains. He could feel fluid seeping into his boot. One or more of his stitches must have pulled. Damn it. Thank you, my lord. Heavily began, but then there was no more time for talk as another pair of corpses entered the room. Those were more easily dispatched. The men were not surprised this time that both corpses were older, more brittle, and less quick. Still, it was obvious from the multitude still approaching the door that they would be overwhelmed sooner or later. Another pair of corpses shouldered their way through the door, and Gareth lurched forward to intercept them. Hatherley, the door! Hatherley nodded and ducked to the side. The corpse nearest to him turned to follow, but Gareth leapt to place himself ahead of the monster. Or rather, he tried to. His right leg, already pressed beyond what would have been prudent, picked that moment to fail him completely. Gareth fell hard, taking a painful bump on his cheek as his face smacked the floor. Above the pain, he felt a surge of despair. He missed his chance, and the animated corpse was going to get to Hatherley before he could get the door shut. And then they were going to be overwhelmed and overrun. Then something struck him in the side, and an instant later he felt a weight land on his back. Whatever it was thrashed around in its stank of decay. The corpse? It must have tripped over him and fallen. Hardly believing his luck, Gareth squirmed and pushed with all his might, trying to get out from beneath the undead thing before it realized what it had fallen upon and choked the life out of him. Fortunately, being reanimated did not seem to convey intellect very well, at least with this corpse. Gareth tried not to think about how quick Renolf had seemed. And Gareth managed to get some distance from the thing with just a very little struggle. He pushed himself to his knees to find the corpse also rising. His axe ended that, severing the thing's desiccated left leg at the knee. It flopped onto the floor. Gareth would have sworn it was surprised by that turn of events if he was not sure it had no mind to be surprised with. It surprised if it existed was momentary, though, and Gareth's axe split its head in two. Gareth was just beginning to feel good about himself and their chances when something grabbed him by the back of his breastplate, lifted him off his knees, and threw him into one of the bookshelves. The impact was incredible. He struck it with his already injured shoulder, sending a surge of pain through him that was so intense he could only see red for what felt like an eternity. He did not feel himself strike the floor, or anything at all for that matter, except for the pain. Somewhere in his mind, a voice screamed at him to get up, to move, to do something. Because if he did not, he was dead. But that voice was faint, easily ignored beneath the screaming agony that washed over him. Had the end come right then, he would have welcomed it without hesitation. But somehow it did not. Sometime later, he had no idea how long his vision cleared and the pain faded so that he could process other things. At first, all he could see was a blur, but after blinking a few times, he was able to make out a face staring down at him. Hatherley's face. The manservant looked like hell. He had a deep cut running across his forehead and down the right side of his face toward his ear. It had bled intensely, coating his face with a sheen of red that at first made Gareth think he was a devil of some sort. But devils never wore expressions of concern that melted away into joyous smiles when the object of their attention awoke, or whatever the right term was for what Gareth did when he came back to his senses. Are you well, my lord? Gareth barked out a bitter laugh, or at least he hoped that it was a laugh that was hard to tell. <laughs> Do I look well? Hatherley shook his head and helped Gareth to his feet. As he stood up, he very nearly collapsed again when his wounded leg felt even a slight amount of weight. He looked around. The door to the room full of animated corpses was shut, but it shuddered periodically as something, no, several somethings, pounded on it from the other side. The corpse Gareth had done for lay where he expected it. The other, the one that had thrown him across the room, was slumped against his desk. 
The blade of Hatherley's sword was stuck into its eye and protruded through the back of its skull. Only the blade. Gareth blinked. Hatherley was not strong enough to make that strong a thrust. What happened? Hatherley shrugged. I got the door shut as it, he nodded toward the impaled corpse, through you. I tried to distract it, but it was too strong. The slitter man paused, swallowing. It leapt on me and impaled itself on my sword somehow. But it did not stop immediately. I tried to pull the sword out, but... He gestured toward the ground near the desk where the pommel of his sword lay. Blade was sheared off near the crosspiece. Cold anger burned inside Gareth as he considered everything that had happened to them over the last hours. Or was it days? Let's go, Hatherley. I'm going to kill that bastard. Hatherley nodded agreement. Let me check your leg first, my lord. Gareth hated to take the time, but the shuddering door seemed solid enough, at least for the time being. And Hatherley was right. He had burst at least one stitch, and he would not be able to fight well if he was losing blood. A few minutes later, Gareth shouldered his way through the door the necromancer had disappeared through, ready to deal out some punishment. Gareth did not truly expect to find the necromancer on the other side of the door. More likely it would lead to another corridor with confusing twists and turns and more riddles to solve, or even better, to some sort of magical trap that would burn Hatherley and him alive while the necromancer watched and laughed. So when he forced his way through the portal and found himself in a well-appointed bedchamber, and the necromancer bent over a small chest of drawers next to the four-poster bed that dominated the room, he found himself stopping in complete surprise. Which meant he was at best half as surprised as the necromancer from the look on the skinny man's face. What? said the necromancer. How? His eyes flickered from Gareth to the door to Hatherley and back to the door. Were you expecting someone else? asked Gareth as he stalked, limped, really, and calling it limping was being charitable toward him. He swung his axe slowly back and forth at his side, and he knew he had a murderous expression on his face, an expression he had practiced long and hard, one that had struck fear into strong men on many occasions before this. The necromancer was not a strong man, at least not physically, but credit where credit's due, if he felt fear, he never let it surface. Actually, yes. Sorry to disappoint. Gareth reached the corner of the bed and rounded it, grabbing the corner post with his right hand to steady himself as he did so. The necromancer was almost within reach. Gareth should have known better. The necromancer smirked slightly, then inclined his head toward Gareth. I did not think you would be able to fight off my servants, given their numbers, not in your condition. And they say wizards are smart. Gareth did not even try to keep the scorn, the derision from his tone. No point in showing respect to a man whose brains you were about to splatter all over his fine rug. Oh, we are. The necromancer snapped his fingers, and everything went black. He was not dead, which was a surprise, actually. Gareth had heard wizards could kill easily with their magic. Presumably, necromancers, as attuned to death as they were, would be particularly adept at it. But as the light slowly returned, revealing the bedchamber just as it had been, except for the necromancer's presence, Gareth had to consider that maybe his assumptions had been wrong on that point. I can't imagine he would have not killed us had he been able to, Gareth said aloud, glancing over his shoulder toward Hatherley, who stood near the door, his face ashen. Hatherley shook his head. I concur, my lord. He swallowed. Hard. The color was slowly beginning to return to his face. Of course, killing magics takes some preparation. Likely he had not planned on using those sorts of spells when he set out on his plan for the day. Or he just figured his minions would do the job well enough. Or maybe he really does like me. Hatherley looked at him askance. I suppose that is possible. So where did he go? There was only one exit, besides the one leading to the office, an iron-reinforced door that swung open easily at Gareth's touch. Beyond the door were stairs leading straight downward until 
reaching a landing some 30 feet below. Unlike the previous corridors, however, this stairwell was illuminated by natural sunlight that streamed in through periodic windows in the left wall and through a stained glass design inlaid above the door down on the landing. That can't be the exit. Can it? It was too easy. Atherley made no reply, but the hopeful expression on his face said it all. Gareth sighed. The necromancer was gone, and frankly, Gareth had no desire to figure out where he had gone to. For whatever reason, it looked as though there would be no profit on this one. A great thump, much louder than any of the previous, reverberated into the bedchamber from the office. Atherley looked back and blanched. The door is almost off its hinges. I'm not sure what hit it, but he left the rest unsaid. Well, let's get out of here. Gareth hated to leave with nothing to show for his expedition, but that's how it was. He turned back toward the stairway out, but stopped halfway there. Well, I'll be. Resting atop the chest of drawers the necromancer had been rifling through was a good-sized strongbox. Gareth stepped over to it and found himself grinning. Maybe his luck was about to turn around. He forced the lock and flung the box open, and his grin grew even wider. Gold always made him smile. Grab that, will you, Hatherley? He would not be able to carry it, wounded as he was. And besides, what was the point of having a manservant if not to have him lug things around? Hatherley sighed. As he picked up the strong box, he spoke in a tone of resignation, with perhaps a tiny bit of irritation beneath. I am sworn to carry your burdens, he said. Gareth shook his head in amusement. He took a moment to pull flint and steel from his belt pouch, then struck a light a few pieces of paper he found in the chest of drawers. He set the burning pages beneath the bed, and soon the bed was beginning to burn as well. With luck, maybe the entire place would go up. At the very least, it would slow down the corpse's pursuit. Looks like we live to fight another day, he said. Then he turned and hobbled down the stairs. Atherley followed. Okay, so that's the end of the Necromancer's Lair. Hope you enjoyed the uh, attempt at Lydia's tone that I did with Hatherley there at the end. I <laughs> always found her uh, whining, carrying my burdens in Skyrim to be kind of funny. And, of course, I, from what I've seen online, I think a lot of, a lot of the other people did too. So I had to get it in there, because why not? Anyway, uh, they kept you waiting long enough for this episode, and it's taken me long enough to get it done, so I'm not going to go any further into it. Hope you liked it. If you did, you know the deal. Go to michaelkingswood.com and send me an email. Sign up for the mailing list. Go to ssnstorytelling.com and buy a copy of the book. Of course, you can also go uh, to all the various online stores, Amazon, Kobo, all the rest. And... Yeah, I'll be happy if you do that. I'm just happier if you come to my site because I make a higher profit margin. But, do what you will. By all means, like, subscribe, send it over to your friends. Uh, tell everybody what cool and cool stuff we're doing here. And I'll talk to you next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>